Hey guys, are you looking for your personalized disc golf mini still for this upcoming disc golf season? Well, your time is running out as the season's about to kick off. Well, if you haven't gotten the opportunity to yet, please check it out and also for 3D printed work over at Dirty Birdie Prints. This is a 3D printing company on Etsy ran by my good buddy, Mr. Mike Sarah. Check him out. He'll take care of any of your 3D printing design needs. And as a special add-on bonus, for anybody that uses promo code in all caps, OTC15, will receive 15% off that very first purchase. So please get on that if you haven't already, and please get those personalized disc golf minis for your upcoming season. They are pretty cool. You won't want to miss out on them. And again, that's over at Dirty Birdie Prints on Etsy. Off the Chains has been sponsored by Team Disc Store. The team... This sponsors yours truly. Welcome back to another edition of Off the Chains. This is Season 2, Episode 11, and this is a disc golf podcast for those who have a true love and passion for the sport. I am your host with the most, as always, Cody Enervold, PDGA member 148739, and I am very excited to start off this week's episode by making a quick uh, announcement about my YouTube channel. And now I said on last week that I was going to have a video of a practice round for uh, Delwood for my upcoming tournament, Fraction Cup Run 4. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to get the time or really the space to do it, I guess. Um, as, it, as the last few days I've been out at Delwood, it's just been super busy, super packed, obviously with the new weather coming, or not new weather, I guess, the warmer weather coming, as, and it's going to be end up getting more busier, but... Uh, I wasn't able to get that, but um, depending on weather tomorrow, if it does not rain like it's supposed to here in uh, my good town of Morris, Illinois, uh, I'm going to try and go out to a field and get some field work in, and I definitely want to get a YouTube video on that. Um, I'm definitely going to give you guys um, a first look. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch me play before, um, how I throw a disc, uh, the shape, the different shaped shots I can throw, um, what discs I rely on the most, um, I'll even throw in there some uh, upshots as I have to definitely work on those as my upshots have been uh, non-existent the last few times I have played, but um, it's going to be a good time. And if anybody has never thrown a disc before, it has just been curious to throw a disc. Uh, I very strongly advise you to watch this video coming up because um, not only will I show you how I throw, I'm also going to give pointers out too. So it's going to be a good time, and please be on looking out in uh, either tomorrow or Friday, hopefully, uh, for that. 
But we got a lot to talk about uh, on tonight's episode as we are um, going to be recapping uh, Waco this past weekend as it saw uh, Miss Valerie Mondahano win it for the FPO and uh, Mr. Paul McBeth, McBeast is back, uh, seeing him take down the MPO. And uh, so I'm going to, and uh, I'm going to be playing uh, the interview that Valerie Mondahano did with uh, Nick and Matt on the Nick and Matt show. Uh, and that's going to take about th- 25 minutes or so. It's a 25 minute interview. So it should be a good time to listen to that. Um, and then once that's over, I'm going to give you guys a quick preview of my very first tournament, official first tournament of the year. And that's the Fraction Cup for, uh, Run 4. And that's going to be taking place uh, this weekend at Delwood, at the Canyons of Delwood in Lockport, uh, Illinois. So I'm going to give you a quick preview on that. And also really quickly talk about uh, the flex start for that layout that I'm going to be playing that I played today. Um, I'm going to, I guess, so I guess it's technically uh, a recap of my flex start and a preview of my tournament. So, and then um, once we're uh, done all talking about that, we will take a short break. And then when we come back, I will have uh, my very good buddy, Mr. Damon Morstadter on the show. Uh, He's going to be talking tonight uh, about telling us, uh, for the viewers and listeners out there who don't really know who Damon Morstadter is, uh, he will be giving you guys a quick introduction on him, as well as talking about his uh, discovery of disc golf, um, some of the events that he even played this year. Um, he even had uh, he even said he had to make the strong, uh, hard decision to step back from MPO back to MA1. So we're going to talk about that how about that decision he made. Uh, also, even if we got time, talk about what he's got planned for the 2022 season, as he has uh, been directing some tournaments. So I'm very excited to hear what his future plans are on that. And if we have time at the end, I am going to be asking him what his uh, uh, schedule is going to be looking like. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, he's going to be a good uh, guest on, and I am super excited to have him on. So um, well, let's go ahead and jump right into uh, Waco. And if anybody didn't watch Waco this past weekend, uh, first off, how dare you? Because it was fun to watch. Because I, I, I just love the uh, Waco, Texas, of course. Uh I can't think of the name off of it off the top of my head. And uh, Brazos East, there we go. Um, and it's in, uh, in Waco. It's I love the course, especially the ending hole, ET, and the one where you're just throwing over the water. Um, definitely, I would be definitely taking the FPO route where I would lay up and then go for my shot on the second one if it was a par four for me. Um, so that would definitely be my shot for that. Um, and unfortunately, um, they had to play the first round in 25 to 30 mile an hour winds, which I or, which I kind of had to play with at the Dog Bowl, and in um, very cold weather too. So I can't imagine how cold it must have felt like in 30 mile an hour up to 40 mile an hour wind gusts uh, when the high was 30 degrees. I can't imagine what it felt like on that. So probably got awful, but uh, we're gonna go ahead and do a quick recap about that real quick. Um, if the PDGA's uh, YouTube page decided to be nice to me. And um, give me a recap on uh, Waco, which they didn't. So um, if you didn't get to watch the very first round, it saw, um, I want to say, Paige Pierce coming off to a very strong, and Evelina Salonen coming off to a very strong start. Um, And to be honest, the way they played after that round, nobody expected uh, anybody to score well, I guess, at the first round with all that wind and uh, bad weather. But they were able to get through it and ended up not embarrassing themselves, which I totally would have done if I played it. <laughs> so, but um, was super happy to see the fact that they were still able to stick to their game plan regardless of um, regardless of uh, 
regardless of uh, weather-wise. I'm sorry. I'm just looking real quick to see um, if I can find this. Um, okay. And this was like, uh, I believe this was for round two. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, for round two because they didn't have a thing on Ultra World for round one. I'm sorry. I was kind of lagging there a little bit. Um, I was trying to find the thing. My tablet was going slow. But um, they didn't have anything uh, as a thing on Ultra World for the round one. But round two, it saw this. If you had any idea how to play the opening day at Waco, then on Saturday, you had to go back to your bag and change your game plan. Because day two, because uh, as day one showed 25 to 30 mile an hour wind gusts and uh, light rain in the area, day two brought sunny skies, warmer temperatures. Uh, uh, sorry, I lost my thought. And little to no wind. And about face for Friday's conditions, although the temperature changed, Evelina Salonen, the leader at four under par, stayed consistent, but the gap is closing. Her four-stroke advantage to start the day was slashed in half. After an air-free front nine, she started to pile up the birdies and the bogeys in the back. She carted two double bogeys and a triple bogey in the final eight holes, including a four-putt from inside the circle. Putting continues to play a huge uh, issue for the finished star. She shot 25% from C1X, though that does mark an improvement after she didn't make a single C1X putt in round one. The worst hole of her round came on hole 17 after finding Obi Water twice after an upshot that hung too far left and went in the drink. Salonen's par putt hit the cage and rolled into the water again. Credit to Salonen, she stayed positive despite the setback and carded a bounce back birdie on 18. After a decent round one performance, Owen Scoggins put together a strong second round performance sparked by a couple big putts. Scoggins cashed in two circle two looks from 50 feet to grab birdie to keep the pressure on Salonen, etching her... Uh, etching her trail from four strokes to two. Um, as tied with Scoggins' second place was Valerie Mondejano, who, was flashed, who has flashed her all-around game to get into the hunt for the win. Strong putting in round two, 80% C1X, 29% C2. Helped delivery, a three-under-par performance, good for a tie for the hot round. Can the Texan make a big push for her fairly serious victory of the first tournament? Um, and actually, it saw Paige Pierce kind of fall apart in round two, and she didn't end up... Uh, making it to the lead card for uh, the final day. So that was kind of depressing a little bit to see because I do like, I do love watching Paige play. Um, and the fact that she was not able to win it, it sucks. So, um, and then this came on March 14th, as we all know. And it says here that with a Texas size final round performance, Valerie Monahano came from behind to win the 2022 Waco annual charity open in her home state through big swings in the weather and on the leaderboard. Monahano stayed true to her well-rounded game and claimed her first ever elite series victory. She said, quote, I feel a lot of emotions. and like, I'm going to tear up. I want, and she also did say this. I want to dedicate this win to my grandfather who passed away on new year's Eve. He was like my father and he raised me so close to him. He never got to see me win, so I told myself that I had to win this year. So this is for you, Dad, unquote. Mondahana ramped up her game over the course of the weekend, improving by four strokes each day en route to a nine-under-par finish. Four strokes better than Christian Tarr in second place, although Katrina Allen made a tremendous run from way down the leaderboard. Her double bogey on hole 12 ended her chances of making a push for the win. Though she's, excuse me, though she still finished the tournament in third place after shooting the best round of the tournament in eight-under-par uh, 59. By the time the lead card made the turn, it was a two-horse race between Mondahano and Tatar. The Texan had built a one-stroke lead and a three-birdie run to close out the front nine before extending it to three 
on hole 14 when Mundahano put her tee shot within 20 feet and Tatar bogeyed back-to-back birdies for Tatar cut the lead back to one before entering the pivotal hole seven. After Tatar laid up on the second shot, Mundahano had a decision make. Play it safe or try to put it on the green while testing a tough crosswind and OB water left. Despite having a one-stroke lead, she did not hesitate. And you're not going to be able to see this, obviously, but you're going to be able to hear it. And if you guys don't know, on hole 17, she threw a phenomenal shot and ended up parking her about five feet away from the basket. And here was the shot. Is is this a shot that Valor should be aggressive on? I think it's going to be hard enough just trying to land it in bounds, and that should be her full focus right now. This looks great. Unbelievable. The shot by Valerie. Oh, oh I guess a little longer, gosh. about 15, 20 feet. Inside the circle, perfectly riding the crosswind, letting it fight back. It slides into the circle. Valerie has a look at a birdie. All right. So that was a pretty cool shot to see. And I got to see it live, and it was pretty badass. So I'm not going to lie. Um, Sorry. It was the shot of the tournament in reverse of her mistake on hole 17 in the final round of the Throw Peak Women Disc Golf Championship and then knocked her out of the lead last October. Perhaps rattled by Mundahano's perfect upshot, Tatar badly misfired with her forehand approach, advancing only a few feet. She left herself a teaser putt after the, her next shot and didn't, and didn't can the putt, dropping her to a double bogey and a three-stroke swing. Uh... Katrina Allen, Las Vegas Challenge winner, ended rounded out the podium at a 200 par. That marks back-to-back podium finishes for Allen, who looks wholly comfortable with her new plastic. Mondahano, too, was playing with a new bag after moving to a dynamic disc sponsorship this offseason. Evelina, who was the front-runner for most of the week and couldn't keep it going in the final round, she opened up going five over through the first four holes with four missed circle one putts, a continuation of her major struggles on the putting green throughout her the weekend. She didn't card a birdie until hole 11, Ultimately, it was a Jekyll and Hyde weekend for Fallon, who finished first at the tournament in strokes gained from tee to green and dead last in strokes gained from putting. She finished ninth at one over par and entering the final round at four under with a two-stroke lead. Um, so, yeah, Valerie Montejano took down the very big win for her, and I was super excited for her. And then I'm not going to lie, watching her dedicate that to her grandfather and having to hear uh, the unfortunate news of him passing away, um, before New Year's happened, uh, was absolutely horrible, and um, I can't imagine. And it did make me a little emotional too. Um, but as we got to the MPO, um, after a slow start to a 2021 season, Paul McBeth is wasting no time in 2022, emerging victorious in the first two outings and looking poised for dominance similar to his 2019 season. He comfortably won the 2022 Waco Annual Charity Open at 23 under par, three strokes ahead of Blue Comfries. While his final round started slow with three straight pars, Macbeth quickly got back on track, keeping any hopefuls at a distance with seven straight birdies on some of the most challenging holes Waco has to offer. Uh, his save on the ninth was a bullseye from the rough, and in the start of his day needing a 50-footer just to save par. It was the theme of the weekend for Macbeth. His best moments came from excellent saves on errant drives. Whether it came on the green or on upshots, it was his ability to skate bad situations with minimal to no damage that set him apart. McBeth said, quote, felt great this week. I was able to tie Luke and Luke Humphreys and Nick Carl after their first round to jump in the lead early and kind of just stayed there. So I'm really happy with this week, unquote. Even with his dominance in the middle stretch of the round, McBeth let the door squeak open just enough for some intrigue starting on the 12th. He seemed to find a new spectrum of the Waco tickets, Waco thickets, even asking him, how did I get in there? The ensuing bogey was the start of McBeth seeming to take his foot off the gas. 
finishing the round even on the back nine, though he was never really pressured by his competitors. His back-to-back bogeys to finish the round may seem worrisome, but they largely came in the name of caution. His weakest moment was a par on 14 after missing a putt from inside the circle, and even then his lead was only narrowed to four strokes. It was a wire-to-wire win for Macbeth, even the slight falters that he had done this his work early to make himself uncatchable by the turn on Sunday. Um, it was McBeck's 16 DGPT Elite Series win and his first back-to-back tournament wins following last week's weekend's Memorial Championship victory since July of 2020. Um, but yeah, so seeing McBeth back to showing McBeth, uh, doing McBeth things, and the fact that there was a lot of peep doubters this year saying, well, with all this new talent this year, all these new up-and-comers coming, like, is McBeth... Macbeth still have it can he still compete with the best y'all like and some of these people like talk like you know paul Macbeth is like 70 years old the man's only 31 30 i think 31 or 32 he is still like in a good part of his prime like and that and i feel like uh Macbeth, part of any probably any i don't know if he does or not but i feel like paul would probably listen to those doubters as like motivation is like saying, okay, well, I need to prove you wrong. It was kind of, it was like a uh, uh, Michael Jordan thing. It was like I took offense to that, and I, you know, or I, and I took and I took that seriously, or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I was super happy to see uh, him take uh, it down the way he did, and um, super happy to see Paul Macbeth winning again. But. Um, Little now that we're done talking about Paul Macbeth, uh, here was the interview that Valerie Mondahano did to talk about her win uh, with Nick and Matt on the Nick and Matt show. If I don't get an ad, and I got an ad, hang on, give me one what second. No, we don't want any smartphones. Google, leave us alone. Here, eat that. Leave us alone. <laughs> All right, we're about to get. Hang on. Here we go. Let's bring in Valerie Mondahano. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Uh, congratulations on taking down Waco Annual Charity Open 2022. Uh, tell us about what this means to you. Um, yeah, it means a, a lot to me. Just a lot of different reasons went into it. I mean, obviously, we all work hard, and I feel like I've been working for like 10 years now, even though it's been like, I don't know, going on eight, I believe but I've been playing open realistically for like the past two years. So um, not to mention, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people saw this, but I dedicated it to my grandfather who passed away uh, on New Year's. My grandfather was really close to me and he never got to see me win, but he would always cheer for me. And that was one of the biggest like heartbreaks for me was he never got to see me win. And then, so I told myself like, I can't let that happen. Like I can't go another year without winning. Wow. Uh, true inspiration. If that's what's fueling you, I can imagine the rest of the, the field is in trouble this year. But congratulations on that. I'm. We're going to be all over the board with the questions, but coming into hole 17, let's just get to that point because it was such a moment that I think needs to be kind of just its own topic. You had, if I'm not mistaken, it was a two-stroke lead at that point, it, it, three strokes. Nevin's given me I like- I think it might have just been one stroke. One stroke? Okay. Yeah. So- but you didn't i don't know tell us your mindset i have my own feelings as watching it tell us your mindset there because that to me does not seem like a very high percentage shot tell us what your mindset was going into that hole um yeah like i had one stroke going into it i just lost two back to back and i actually made a comment to mason 
when uh, Kristen threw her putt in for the birdie on 16, I was like, and there goes one stroke only left. And he looks at me and he goes, don't talk that way. He's like, don't be negative. It's 17. Anything can happen. He's like, um, just because you have one stroke doesn't mean you're going to win. And it doesn't mean you're going to lose. He's like, if you have that mindset, then that means, yeah, you're going to lose. You're already losing. And so right there in that moment, I was like, okay, you're right. And, uh, Looking at that shot, I was thinking of the forehand because it's what I practiced. That was the only shot I practiced was the forehand. But then I also saw the wind and I saw how much it was pushing. So it was very sketchy. And the layup alone was just hard. So I was like, okay, well, my thought process was if I throw the forehand, I might saw it off and be 200 feet short of the basket. OB, you know, playing for the bogey at best. Or I could throw the backhand and hopefully – skip by the basket so then I have like a 30 footer for par and that was kind of my mindset I was like if I hit it I'll be parked if I don't I'll have a putt for par and Evan can back me up on this one is it true that that was the only birdie on 17th that day in the FPO division do you know Valerie um I don't know exactly I actually just watched the coverage on GK Pro and that's what Madison was saying is I was the only birdie, so I was pretty surprised right now myself. <laughs> That's pretty sick. Yeah, what a moment. The wind was no joke. Uh, Evan's confirming on the other side. But he has a microphone. He can... <laughs> uh, yeah, only birdie. Uh, it averaged uh, 1.32 strokes over par, and it already is a par four, so 5.32 average. So that just added to the whole moment. Like, it wasn't that, I don't know, the whole thing put together to me was like, I'll say it one last time, as clutch as it gets and impressive as I've seen, was it for the world championship? No, but for you, this was as pivotal a moment as you've ever had. So to you, it was that moment and you executed it. Do you feel like that was clutch? Did you feel like, like, I don't remember seeing a fist pump, but maybe someone else was doing it for you. Um, I guess looking at the moment, it wasn't clutch for me. I guess it was just a part of my routine and like shots I knew I can throw. But I guess looking into it now and looking, I guess looking back at it now, seeing how well the shot went, I'd say, yeah, it was pretty clutch. It was perfect timing. I throw a great shot. Mm. And then just coming into 18, you what'd you feel going into 18? I thought I saw a little bit of probably like relief at some level, but like what were your feelings going into 18? Um, honestly, once I tapped out a 17, Owen ran up to me and hugged me and like congratulated me. And I was, are like no it's it's not over yet like we still have to play 18 because mm-hmm. last year I think I was in like second and I went like seven six and so that put me back in like 15th I can't remember the exact like placement but I know it put me pretty far back from where I started that round and so that's what I remember thinking and I told myself I'm not gonna let these two holes get the better of me and so going into 18 I was like I know it's not over like last year I think I threw three in the water before I hit the ground so I was like, um, just get it across, and then it will be over. And I always remember, um, I believe this was Paul, Paul McBeth, saying, it's not over till the last, pop, the last putt falls. So that's always in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you, you had just about, I think it was four strokes. I was actually standing on hold. It's funny because, you know, I'm interviewing you as a host of the show, but I also, I've seen you all week. And so I'm like, I've already given you the congratulations and, you know, we almost lost an earring because I came over and said hello. Yeah. But, I, um, I thought about that before I got on the show. I was like, I haven't put my earring in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, you know, do I want to wear those ones? Anyways. 
Um, I was actually on hole one and I heard the massive roar, uh, when 17, when you threw that shot and then 18, it was like, Oh crap, she has four strokes going into the last hole. And then I could hear, I think I just finished hole one. Maybe it was going to two, maybe halfway down two, but I could actually hear the TD announcing your name. I'm literally sitting out there like, you know, clapping as someone's putting on hole 13 and I felt bad, but I was like, yo, I got to clap. Like, this is sick. Valerie just won it. And, um, but tell us about kind of just the round in general, like was your game plan to just get the birdies where you think you could get them? Were you more aggressive? Were you more passive on certain holes? How are you feeling just throughout the round in and of itself before the last couple of holes? Um, honestly, I feel like it was like a roller coaster because like the f- starting out in the round, I was like, I don't want to put pressure on myself because I'd done it in the past and it didn't work out for me. I was like, I just want to go through my strengths. Like, what are my strengths in this round? Like, what am I comfortable with? Like, I want to enjoy disc golf. I don't want it to be like, oh, this is so stressful. Like, you know, I don't want it to be like a round where I just have a headache. And I'm like, I don't want to play disc golf. Like, if this is what mm-hmm. winning takes is just to have a headache, then, you know, maybe I don't want to live this dream. But so I always, this year, part of my goal is to have fun in my rounds, to enjoy them, to, you know, get to know the competitors in which I felt like that was a goal achieved this round. Like, I really enjoyed my um, card. You know, it was one of the best cards yet, I'd say. We all were, you know, talking, but also cheering each other on. And uh, going into the round, it made it that much easier, that much enjoyable. So, like, I think my goal was, like, on the first hole, I was like, I want to just land on the green and give myself an opportunity to birdie. I wasn't telling myself, like, oh, I have to get this birdie. I was like, okay, well, let's just take it hole by hole, shot by shot. Um, I threw the drive, and I was like, okay, I have a birdie opportunity. I think it was, like, 25 feet. And I was like, all right, you know, worst can happen is I can par. But I know mm-hmm. I can. My, I guess, goal in the beginning of the round was just to give myself opportunities to score when I can. And then I, I think going into, like, the middle of it, I felt like the switch turned where I started birdieing more because in the beginning I felt like I kind of just wanted this slump of like I went birdie and then like bogey or something and then like uh, par and then I just kind of part on from there and then kind of switched it to um, I started birding a couple. So then, sorry, my mom's dog is like fussy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like it kind of switched where I started getting this momentum and this groove back again. And I was like, okay, you know, I started uh, telling myself like I could birdie this hole or I can birdie that hole. And then Mason helped a lot where he was like, he was strategizing with me and then from like what I could do to what was the competition doing after that? Like what were the girls game plan? Like I kind of like strategize over that because of the win. Like, do I have to go for this putt or can I just lay it up? Do I have to go for this shot or can I just lay it up? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sitting here and this doesn't happen very often, but I'm like, and this doesn't happen very often just for anybody, but I'm thinking to myself, I wish I could be like Valerie in disc golf, like me, like that's like, to me, a disc golf, I don't want to say a hero. That's not the word I'm looking for, but like a, a role model in disc golf. I'm like, I want her form. I want her clutchness. I want like, that's me. And I think there's a lot of people feeling that when you tapped out on 18, they came up to interview you. And for some reason, the microphone cut out. I didn't catch what you were saying, but I could, I could capture emotion was it in relation to your grandfather or just the moment in general? Can you just give us a little bit of that condensed version? You don't have to give the full speech, but what were you kind of saying? Um, yeah, I mean, in that moment, I'm going to be honest, in 17, I thought about it when I threw that shot, when I walked up to that tree, I thought about it and I was like, I could actually win this. Like, this is really close and it's looking like I could win this. 
And uh, that was one of the thoughts that popped up into my head where I was like, my grandfather's not going to be here. Like every time I'd come back from a tournament, he'd sit in the living room, he was watching TV or he'd stay up until we got back home. Even if it was two o'clock in the morning, he would stay up and he would check the weather to make sure we had a clear drive. So it was like thinking about it, he wasn't going to be here. And so that was the first thought in my head. I was like, oh, he's not going to be there. And then um, I told myself, I was like, no, he's looking at me right now. I was like, he's going to be there even if I don't see him. And then that's when it kind of like kicked me into gear. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this. Like 18, I'm not going to mess up. Like that was one of the things I thought about. So once I tapped in, everything kind of like flooded me. And I was just like explaining how I felt and kind of what really pushed me when moments kind of led in our thoughts kind of creeped up the what ifs and uh, my grandfather kind of overpowered that where I was like, no, I'm not going to you know, let the what ifs interfere in the goal that I'm setting myself mm -hmm. for. And I kind of just dedicated this win to him. It was my first uh, win, but it was also my first pro tour with him not being here. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> Anybody else get something in their eye? I was sitting here. I'm telling you, this is a moment for me too. Yeah. I'm really inspired. Yeah. And we've had on the best in the world and I'm inspired just as much with this interview and you, Valerie, than I have been with anybody. Um, and I'm not going to take that back. I just want to say, first of all, excellent performance. Nick already broke down every hole that he played. We're not going to ask you to do the same for us. Yeah. But uh, people want to know um, a few things. You have a new bag, new sponsor. What disc did you throw on 17 that you felt that confident with? Uh, it was a getaway, actually. Okay. Yeah. I think I saw, like, so many people comment that, but then, like, every so often there was a couple of comments that said getaway, and I started commenting, and then I was like, I might as well just make a post about it uh, De later. Describe, okay, so me being a Discraft guy, I actually don't 100% know, uh, with all these companies coming out with new discs, what is a getaway? Is that a mid-range? Is it a fairway? Is it overstable, understable? Kind of give us a little it, glimpse of it. It's a fairway driver. If I would have to compare it to, like, let's say, because I don't really know Discraft plastic, but if I'd have to compare it to something like Innova, I'd say like a beaten Thunderbird. Some people might disagree. <laughs> Some people might say no, but that's what I throw it mainly as. Um, I bag two, actually. I bag a peach one and then that yellow one that I kept throwing. The peach cool. one. Yeah, I think it's always tough, especially, you know, a lot of listeners, they're, you know, diving into new companies, figuring out what they want in their bag. And I think, obviously, watching players win tournaments is huge for those companies as well because now players are like, oh, what did she throw on 17? Cool, it's a getaway. What kind of plastic was in? What, what's it potentially fly like? You know, for me, I have no idea what a getaway is until now. Now I have a general idea of to where, okay, this is maybe what it is for Discraft, this is what it is for Innova, yada, yada, yada. So that's awesome. <laughs> and then you you did you did recently switch. I mean, you're a new DD sponsor player. You and Mason both made the switch to DD this year. Um, I guess kind of a big thing we always ask players is, which, like, what are your goals for the season? You just won a Pro Tour event. That's probably a goal that you had in mind was, I do want to win an Elite Series event. And then what were your kind of goals? You know, Did you have high expectations switching to a new company? Or were you kind of like, let's just see how this goes? What's your mindset going into the 2022 season? Um, I mean, I think I, I played an H, not an H, excuse me. Uh, I think it was a B tier right before this. It was a couple of weeks ago. And it was a little bit of the same thing. I was just like, let's see how this goes. Again, I just wanted to have fun. Um, and I played pretty well there. And so I guess it, I carried it the same attitude uh, through Waco. 
And I think I'm just going to try to carry that same attitude. That was my goal in the beginning. It was just to, you know, have fun and see how this went, not to put the pressure, because I do want this to be my job for the mm-hmm. best possible. Um, and last year, I kind of just felt like I burned myself up because I set all these expectations and goals on myself. And I kind of just felt burned out at the end of the season where I was just like, don't really want to play anymore. And then switching new to a new company gave me that feel back where it was like, okay, well, if I want to perform well, I need to go and test these sits. I to throw them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think going into this year, it would at least be, obviously, if I can, to win a couple more events on the Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a couple of little smaller goals in mind, but I want to, I'll say it at the end of the year if we have another uh, <laughs> yeah. meeting. Absolutely. I'll wait on that. We'll, we'll, we'll schedule it right now. We'll say November 8th. Talk about your smaller goals that you had. And I just yep. picked a random day, but. We'll look back on it. November 8th, I don't care what day of the week it is, 7 p.m. We're talking about it. Gotcha. I like it. I'll set it on the calendar. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'm actually using my calendar now, so I'll, I'll make sure to put Really, it. Nick? This is a new a new thing for Nick. We'll, we'll get to that, Nick. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to share a calendar with you so we can stay on the same page. I want to say this. We have Evan in studio, obviously, and we have Ben, our intern producer, in studio. If they have any questions, feel free to ask. We do have the phone lines open. We didn't tell you this, Valerie. I don't know if anyone's going to call in but we are making that available to any fans watching live right now if they'd like to ask a question um and then i want to ask this how comfortable are you feeling with your discs you had you know the off season to to practice with them you're i I don't want to use the word obviously but it's apparent that you're throwing them well woods or not do you feel very comfortable at this point is that confirmation like is disc any excuse for you going forward uh, I'd say no, to be honest. Uh, if I'm saying full honesty, no. I mean, there's still a couple more drivers where I feel like I could like swap out or get to know a little better. But to say like, oh, this would be the reason why I'm not playing well, no. Okay, that's cool. I think that's a great place to be with a new sponsorship to feel that way. Um, yeah. So I got a question. Yeah. Go. Oh, we got a we got a call coming in. Actually, let's let's just go ahead and take All this, right. Nick. Take, take that. All right. So we got a live caller here. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You're on with Valerie and Nick and Matt. What do you got? Hey, Valerie. It's Scott from Backstage Organics. That's an incredible victory. And I was wanting to ask you about on your Instagram, it says Luke137. I'm a big, huge fan of that. And what um, about your spiritual life? I think that's really inspiring. All right. Yeah. Cool. Feel free to stay on or uh, drop off, whichever you prefer. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge follower in Christ. I grew up in, uh, it's kind of tricky, I guess. Um, it's a long story, but I'll kind of cut it as short as possible. Uh, I grew up in, I guess, Pentecostal with my grandmother. I'd go to church, but I also was like baptized Catholic, but I also grew along Pentecostal. But now recently, I, I guess a couple of years ago, I went Christian just because fit my beliefs better. Um, me, Mason, my whole family is pretty much religion of Christ. And I live through Christ daily. I'd like to say I read the Bible five times, but not only that, but I try to like apply it to my life. I don't only, you know, try to like learn God, but I also try to live through God. Like me and Mason has set so many goals or our relationship, uh, you know, through God. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like our relationship is so strong. Wow. That, that's an excellent answer. We actually have another phone call lined up here. Ben, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and bring him in. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. You're on with Valerie. What do you got? Hello. Hello. There you are. You're on. Go ahead and ask your question. I was wondering what the 
Hey, my name is Jason from South Carolina. Great job, Valerie. <laughs> I was wondering what the other pros had to say to you after that win. Um, they were all pretty sweet. Uh, Christian hugged me right away, and she said that she was really impressed with my game and how I handled everything. And then Evelina was super excited for me, along with Owen. Owen was super pumped, and she was, uh, I'm sure you can see if you look back at the footage, she was kind of jumping around, and she was just telling me she was super proud of me. Mm. I, f I feel that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Nick, we cut you off for some calls. What do you got? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, Well, you know, clearly Valerie played the same day that I played, you know, day one on Friday. And I say it was one of the worst days ever on tour when it came <laughs> weather-wise. You teed off a little bit earlier than I did. Would you kind of agree in that same sense? Like, a majority of the people, I feel like, are saying that. But what – what was it like playing in the disgusting conditions that we had on Friday for you? Um, I think miserable, I'm going to say. Like, mm -hmm. it was probably the worst, you know, conditions we've ever played in, at least myself. Um, yeah, my whole card, we were all, like, pumped to play with each other because we were all, it was some of our first times playing with each other. But during the round, everyone was just kind of like, let's get through this round. Like, you know, great shot, yeah. or let me help you find your shot. Like, let's move. And yeah. we honestly finished the front nine within like an hour, but the back nine, you know, kind of slowed everyone down. But yeah, yeah. we were all started off, you know, chatting. And then towards the middle, we were kind of just like power through. And then the end, everyone's just kind of like run, get off this course. It's cold. We don't want. Yeah. So it was, it was awful. <laughs> it's funny. Cause my reaction is I'm like, you must be from Texas. If this is the worst. <laughs> but that's not to downplay we actually had this conversation before you got on that it was pretty brutal um some people saying exactly the same thing as you so you're not the only one um i guess one of my last thoughts is winning this event all encapsulates a whole bunch of feelings a whole bunch of successful storylines for you one of them being i would imagine the field that you went against this was an elite field it was contained multiple world titles uh, with Paige being five and Katrina being two, plus a whole slew of other players, some who have won this event previously before as well. Uh, what does it mean to you when you think back on it, or you currently are, you're still thinking on it, the players that you were able to compete with and finish better than? Does that mean anything to you? Um, I mean, I feel obviously honored to win this event, knowing like most of the top players were here and I was able to compete with the best um, I mean, I think it's, it's the start of where I want to be. It, it honestly shows me like how much I have improved to be able to compete with the best. So it does show, I guess I, I do, um, it does show a lot for me. You know, I do carry this event highly because everyone was here. So right. it means a lot to me. Right. So what, what changed for you? From last year I know last year was kind of like your first touring year but like what changed did anything click I mean sponsor change has to do something for your mental game but usually it's not always in the other direction so like what changed are you feeling like you're a new new disc golfer yeah I, I feel like I feel like going into last year I didn't know what to expect like it was first time being on the road it was you know first time playing with everyone really like, okay, this is going to be it. Like we're going to be playing with everyone for the rest of the year. Like I went Vegas Memorial and then Waco. And so I think it was a lot of the nerves and not handling everything, the whole change of driving there, driving back, staying in a hotel mm -hmm. before the five, 
to a week. Um, I think all, all, all of that wrapped up was different from my normal lifestyle. And I think going into this year, I know what to expect. I know, you know, what players, how they play, you know, I'd like to think how they play. Um, but I knew more or less now. And going into this year, you know, I felt like I corrected a lot of my form from last year. I felt like I didn't know why I was driving so bad or, like, why I would grip lock or why I released early. Now I know more or less, like, okay, well, this is not working mm -hmm. because my hips are before my arm, you know, stuff like that. Well, <laughs> I'll say it again. I am inspired and I'm going, I, uh, whatever. I, I'm, I'm going to say it too many times. I, I love your form. It's different than any other FPO player out there. And it's just fantastic. It's like what I'm going to try to do. Um, uh, Evan or Ben, do you have anything? No, We're sitting off in the wings. <laughs> um, I was going to say, Nick, any closing uh, thoughts? you next what's the uh what's the tour life for you uh sorry i, I didn't ca we cut off on that question yeah it's it's one of those things where i think skype to nick by the way i think skype is like trying to like block out background noise for him so and when he's not it like it cuts oh, him out so sense. all right nick go yeah. ahead um at the next event you know what's kind of your schedule for the, the let's say next two months um, so next event will be Belton. Uh, we actually just dropped our RV off to the wrap. Um, so we won't get it back until Belton is over. So we'll be driving up Belton Thursday. Thursday morning, we should be driving up to Belton, playing uh, at least three practice rounds there, and then the tournament will start. Pick the RV up once Belton is done, head to Tyler, Texas for Texas States, then drive to uh, Tennessee for the Music City Open, and then... I can't remember what tournaments after that, if there is. And I know uh, DDO will be kind of the last of that swing, come back home for like two weeks, and then fly out to like uh, OTB in the next Portland swing. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. Very cool. Well, yeah, so we... Yeah, we're really glad that you say yes to coming on the Nick and Matt show because we can be like, hey, we had her on before she won, we had her on when she won, and we hope... We can have you on again when it makes sense for, for you and for us. I mean, we'd love to have you on again. Is there anything that we missed that you'd like to shout out to your fans or anybody else? Any, anything at all? Like, whatever it is, your favorite ice cream? No, <laughs> whatever you got. Um, I mean, I don't think you guys missed anything. I'll just do a shout out if you guys don't mind to, like, my fans and um, my sponsors. Go ahead. Do it up. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank everyone for supporting me along the way. Um, I could tell everyone was sharing a lot for me. I'd throw a putt out of the bush, and everyone was – you know, cheering. So I appreciate all that. Um, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Dynamic Disc, Lucky Ace, Foundation Disc Golf, and Birdie Few. And then, of course, my family. I'd like to thank for my family for all the support that they uh, give me. Very inspiring. And and by the way, Very Mason cool. Mason getting his first near the end of last year and you getting yours, it must feel great to be like, <laughs> we're like the Colton and Kona and, and meeting Aww. together. You guys are both doing it on the road. That's pretty awesome. Uh, congratulations on that. Look forward to more future successes. With that, I'll say thank you again, and hopefully, I, I, what time is it there? Yeah, 7 o'clock. Have a great evening. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, so that's it of the interview. But, yeah, so super cool to hear uh, from Valerie talking a little bit um, about her win and the fact that she was able to uh, win it for her grandfather, which is unfortunate he wasn't able to actually ever see her win. Um, but, obviously, he was watching from above, and Valerie – uh, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry about the loss, um, but I am also congratulating you on the win. 
So um, I hope you can keep the momentum going at the Open at Belton and and even at Texas State. It's going to be awesome to see you. And if anybody didn't know what was after Music City Open, it is the Tallahassee Open, and that's in Florida. So I'm excited to see about that one um, getting played. All right, guys. Well, a little bit. We're kind of running this a little longer than I planned, but uh, I want to get this uh, preview in real or this recap on the flex start and the preview in real quick before uh, I bring on my guest. Uh, but just real quick, yeah, as you guys know, I've talked about in episodes past that uh, my very first sanctioned tournament will be called the Fraction Cup Run 4. Um, I played a little flex start today, a little sanctioned round uh, today. Um, I was able to go out there and just be like, okay, this is like as your practice, final practice round slash uh, or your real like tournament round feel. And um, after kind of starting a little rough in the front nine, I ended up getting two bogeys, I believe. Yeah. Um, and part out, I ended up getting um, getting a really strong back nine and ended up getting it uh, up to um, ended up getting uh, six birdies in the back nine, uh, two pars. And then I unfortunately bogeyed the very last hole, uh, I believe. I have to double check my score. But um, something like that. I, I believe I got two or three. I can't remember. I'll have to double check. But um, ended up finishing three under par. And last I checked before all the rounds were uh, uh, scores were came in, um, I was tied for eighth place out of all the people that played. Um, as my good buddy Grant Yurkovich ended up getting four under. He finally beat me for the first time in a, uh, other than a practice round we played together in a sanctioned round. Uh, he finally got me on one, so I can finally quit talking crap to him. Uh, but yeah, he got me by a stroke and uh, he ended up getting, I believe he was tied for fourth last I checked. And then my good buddy, Chris Lozo, who is not, uh, his membership actually expired. He hasn't been able to really play as much. He just hasn't had the time with a lot of things going on in his life and whatnot, working, you know, all that crap. Uh, so, but he was ab- able to get out today and I was super happy to have him out. Um, ended up shooting a five under round and ended up t- being tied for first. So, um, his round was unofficial and it was at 9.30 rated. Uh, Grant's was at 9.17 and mine was at 9.05. Um, I'm currently 8.61 rated. So being able to finally uh, shoot another round over 900 rated golf is uh, phenomenal. Um, and it definitely gives me hype going into my tournament this weekend. I'm just hoping it doesn't rain on Saturday. So, But um, yeah, a lot, some of the shots uh, were kind of errant today. Um, just a couple bad Oh, drives were pretty okay for the most part. Uh, it was more mostly up shots. They just kept grip locking a little bit or early releasing. Um, putting started off really goofy. I just, I think I worked on the straddle so much in the off season. I think I kind of lost my standstill a little bit. But as we got to like hole 10, 11 through the round, um, it started finally coming back, and I was able to start canning some birdies and par and saving pars and whatnot. Um, definitely going to have to work on some more up shots and more mid-range game as well as more, um, I got to get my standstill back to feeling normal again. Um, but yeah, super excited because this weekend will be officially the start of my 2022 season. Um, I cannot thank Disc, uh, Disc Store Enough, who is my official team sponsor for this year, uh, for giving me the opportunity to be a sponsored player um, and truly believing in my game and believing that I could represent you guys very well. Um, I will, this is going to be one of the best years, I believe, or one of the worst years, uh, of my disc golf career. So, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I believe good things are going to come to those who are patient, stick to their routine, stick to the game plan and good things will happen to you is the best advice I can give to myself and even other people out there in the world too. So, but 
this will be the, uh, that'll officially start this weekend and my Sean should be sending the tea times either tonight or tomorrow. So hopefully or Thursday or Friday or no, t- today's Wednesday. I'm so confused right now. It'll be tea times will probably be out tomorrow or Friday. I would probably assume tomorrow just so everybody gets ahead of time. Um, but you know, at the last second, people could always back out and you just never know. So, but I'm super excited to be playing that, and I can't wait to get this season finally going. So, All right, guys. Now, as we're done listening to everybody else talk and listening to me ramble on for the past 40 minutes or 45 minutes, um, as I'm about to bring on my next guest, as I'm about to bring on my good buddy, Ms. Uh, Damon, um, and before I do that, uh, we are going to take a quick commercial, uh, quick little add-on break, uh, and hear a word from our sponsors. Off the Chains has been brought to you in part by Simeon Brothers Creative. Design, print, and promotion. For any of your graphic design needs, for any of those graphic design needs, whether it be uh, yard signs, decals, t-shirts, anything your graphic design wonders feel, uh, please hit up my father at Simeon Brothers Creative. That is S-I-M-I-A-N Brothers Creative. And we're back, and I am pleased to welcome onto the show tonight Plastic Attic Street team residing in Decatur, Illinois, but well-known in the Joliet Town family community. Uh, one of the most down-to-earth people I know, the man who ran the very first ever tournament I ever competed in on the PDGA, and someone I've considered a close personal friend over the past couple of PDGA member number 94014, Mr. Damon Morstadter. Damon, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Not a problem, Cody. How's it going, buddy? Not much, man. Sorry about it. Uh, kind of being a little late to the party on bringing you on, man. I, I had a little that flex start going on and then tried to get a quick round in a high and took a lot longer than I wanted to. But uh, we got here. That's all that matters, man. How First off, uh, go ahead and tell the viewers out there, for, the, for those who don't really know much about you, uh, just going to give a quick little intro on yourself, like a little bio, um, uh, kind of when you discovered disc golf and uh, what year you actually joined the PDGA. Um, I, uh, I first kind of discovered disc golf via my roommate and a couple of my buddies, one of which was his roommate at the time and my best, one of my best friends, whom of which the fam tournament was created to memorialize. Okay. That was back around 2015, late 2014 is whenever they started mentioning it and I'd kind of heard of it. Mm-hmm. Then 2015 was whenever I first kind of gave it a try. And then I first started competing in 2016 where I played my first event and won in novice. And then afterwards it was just kind of head over heels with the whole love for competition and having the opportunity to, kind of reconnect with my athletic abilities awesome so uh and was uh 2016 the year that you officially joined the pdga uh, or did you competing and then join the pdga after uh 2016 the event that i won was 
at the beginning of October, so it was there kind of towards the end of the season. And okay. I wasn't okay. a PDGA You're... member until officially until 2017, just before the Ledgestone signups opened up. Okay, and I got you. Right then was whenever I wound up making a post on Facebook because I didn't have a job at the time and just asked if anybody had any odd end jobs that I could do to raise the money so I could buy a PDGA membership and then so I could also afford the Ledgestone entry. As we all know, is about 200 bucks after you buy into the ACE fund and everything because if you don't buy into the ACE fund, you wind up hitting it, you kick yourself in the butt. <laughs> right, and then uh, and then with uh want to even pay for a whole sponsorship too it's like almost 300 bucks total so it's kind of kind of a little crazy exactly. for me playing deagle the last couple of years because it's just been cheaper so really I, I didn't know the deaglos ran cheaper the last couple of years i've been yeah, asked I, about that one multiple times but i've never really looked into it i actually yeah, have yet yeah. to play in michigan yeah, it's, uh, I played it last year, and it was a lot of fun. The courses we played, I ended up playing uh, MA4 and took in it. Um, I tried originally to sign up for uh, Ledgestone, but uh, as I went to hit the complete registration, I'm sure if you, I think if you tried last year, as you tried, uh, the whole site just completely crashed. I think like thousands of people were trying to all sign up at once. Yeah, and, it was the first year that I actually missed it since 2017. So oh, wow. it, it was Kind of a little bittersweet, but at the same time, I mean, I had the extra money laying around to where I was able to sign up for more tournaments. I believe right. one of which was uh, the Clash at the Canyons last year. Yeah, that unfortunately this year, Clash uh, Am side, unfortunately, falls uh, probably on the weekend. My uh, nephew Jordan's going to be turning six. It's like two days before his birthday, and I'm most likely we're going to have his birthday party on that. Like I've always told people, I said, yeah, there's some events that unfortunately I got to miss. But at the end of the day, family will always come over disc golf. And if anybody thinks differently, then they're a fool. <laughs> so, oh, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, last year when that whole site crashed with Ledgestone, Nate made out that post saying that we're going to try redoing it the next day. I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to try and put myself through that again in case that happens. So I, that's why I ended up doing a uh, D glow and that sponsorship just because i thought it was going to be like ledgestone you know how quick everybody signed up for that and then paid for that and then go figure uh the took like four or five days for the whole tournament to be like filled up registration wise so i'm like oh man i didn't even have to pay for that sponsorship but ended up sponsoring my dad's graphic design company so it ended up working out long run yeah, better faith than sorry sometimes though i mean especially with the influx of people because of covid right. I mean, it was one of the only things that you were still able to out, or go outside and do, whether you were sneaking out because of the curfew things or whatnot. Once yeah. they opened up golf, I mean, everybody kind of created like a little uproar and it was like, hey, disc golf's just, this, just the same <clears throat> exact thing as regular golf. And you don't even have to be in a golf cart with somebody or even be that close right and you don't have to pay and you don't have to pay really to play either <laughs> so exactly. unless you're playing tournaments obviously or pay to play courses obviously but uh 
Yeah, I definitely always will tell people at the end of the day, I prefer to play disc golf over golf. Like, I enjoy playing golf, like, every once in a while because my older brother plays. Um, but if I choose from both I, or between the two, I would definitely choose disc golf just because I know I'm good at disc golf and I'm not so great at uh, regular golf. But as far as regular golf, though, I do like watching the sport. I do uh, like playing it occasionally. Like I said, my brother plays. So um, he definitely gives me the feels of wanting to play every once in a while. So. See, I've never actually played regular golf. Never played before? <laughs> never played actual golf. I've, I mean, I've done putt. I did putt-putt like once or twice. I actually played more putt-putt in my entire life whenever Debo and Finwall and them come down for the, the FDO last year. Okay. I played more putt-putt with them than I had in my entire life. And since then, I've been back over to the mini putt place here in town a good two or three more times. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, well, we'll have to definitely, I'll definitely have to get you out time. Cause it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it'll definitely, it won't be like around a round of disc golf where you play like, you know, for two or three hours, it will be out there probably like five or six, but it's definitely oh, a good time. Obviously we can always talk crap to each other if we're not having the greatest of game, like, oh nice shot there, idiot, or you know, like or jackass, like <laughs> like a happy Gilmore, some kind of bullshit. <laughs> oh, that's how I am in general weather. I'm playing around a disc golf or anything. If I wind Absolutely. up dropping something at work, it's like nice going, butterfingers. <laughs> I mean, I'm always talking crap to myself. It's just a force right, habit. Like, right. It was like my uh playing when I played that flex thing with my buddy Grant today. He was like, Oh man good drive i believe it was like on hole eight at delwood and it landed we were playing from the red tee and he landed like probably like 10 feet from the basket he was so super proud of it and then he just completely <laughs> whiffed on the putt and immediately looks at me and goes i don't even want to hear it and i that immediately just <laughs> and i'm like oh dude i'm only laughing because i've been there before i've missed a five footer before trying like asking a guy like, if i can putt out real quick and then too busy talking not paying attention and then before i know it i you know release my disc and i feel down the disc is sitting right on my foot so we've all been there man it happens for the best of us oh absolutely <laughs> i always you, you with my buddies all the time it's like i remember one time whenever my roommate is i can't remember where it was or the context of it but we had just kind of been bantering back and forth and i had mentioned it to him one day i was like you know if you ace on a par three it's technically only an eagle so the right. next time he aced, I wound up just jokingly saying that he j just turned and looked at me. He's like, "You know what? F off, man." It's like I'm joking. I, I'm joking. I, I, no, it aces, right? And Ace is awesome, but it's like I, I'd be the same way, man. I would I would say something like that to like my buddy Alex Ator or Chris Lozo or something like that, just to mess with them and be like, you know, I know I got an ace, but when you say it, and then I know it technically was an eagle, but when you say it like that, it just makes it sound awful, and I hate for that <laughs> oh exactly and so that's i just completely yeah. took the wind out of his sails for a second but i was like dude no seriously that was one heck of a shot like mine obviously didn't go in so i couldn't have thrown it better <laughs> right and then yeah because my buddies I've, they've seen me ace before and then i freaked out i'm running up to go grab my disc you know i turn back and i don't even see any of them i'm like the hell did everybody go and then they'll pop out of like the little woods it was like at shanahan it was on hole 18 at shanahan 
turkey and they just popped out of the woods. I'm like, oh, what happened, man? I was taking a leak. What happened? I was like, oh, you, I know you guys were all standing there. I know you saw it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, while, while we're continuing rambling on here, before we get lost the topic, um, uh-huh. just I, saw, I was kind of doing a little research on you, obviously, and I saw so far, now correct me if I'm wrong, it's either 52 or 57 uh, events you played so far on the PDGA. Um, and see that one career, uh, that one win uh, at that tournament you were talking about. Um, I know it's been a lot of, uh, you played a lot in the, since you joined back in 2016, 2017, but um, out of those tournaments you played so far, man, is there any of them that really stood out to you? They can, they can be good or bad. You know, there's even, even like funny moments you've had in tournaments. Oh God, golly. Uh, well, for, well, to answer the first part, uh, I just did a quick check because I wasn't even sure myself. It's uh, 57 events. Oh, that's what win. I thought. And, uh, man, there's been so many funny moments that it's hard to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's definitely some tournaments that stick out that always kind of hold, like, a special spot to me. Like, I respect Heinold for what he does for the disc golf community. And I mean, to take on the caliper of events that he does with a small team, I've ran small tier events and small size events myself. And I know the stress that can come with that, Mm -hmm. let alone a NT or DG or DGPT event or anything of that nature. So, I mean, I do give them hats off. I have my little nitpicks about some of the things that have went on in the past years, like last-minute course changes or pool changes or whatever. But all in all, he has ran great events. So, Ledgestone does hold a special spot to me, which is why I was a little bummed about last year. Yeah, Illinois Ames is probably the one well the biggest one here more centrally based in illinois that holds the biggest piece of my heart mm. just because it was my first big tier event and my first event out of town and that was actually where that year matt bell and greg barsby were doing the dude tour oh, and okay. they wound up being there with the dude tour bus and I wound up being in the clubhouse sulking over how badly I shot while all my buddies were following the final nine. And I wound up offering to buy Greg and Matt a beer whenever they stopped in at the clubhouse. They're like, I'll take you up on that. But if you want to go grab your bag, we're headed to the back nine. Meet up with us. And it completely caught me off guard because... Oh, yeah, Still for sure. At that time, like I thought, I looked at these pros as like same caliber as say Peyton Manning and them. Like mm-hmm. I know they're not making as much, but I'm looking at them still as a pro caliber player with high respect. So it completely took me back, and I took them up on that offer, and it was probably the biggest moment at the beginning of my disc golf career that just made me fall completely in love with it. I mean, I say it 
over and over. I've fall in love with the sport every time I go to an event and just stand back and see the smiles across the many different walks of life of people. Right. Just to have that moment with Greg and them was just a huge moment for me. And one of the other guys that got to join us is one of my buddies, Todd Thomas and well, out of the Bloomington area. Mm. And since then me and him have become pretty good buddies and played multiple rounds together and yeah i mean those are probably the two centrally based but i love everything that goes on up there in joliet for sure i have nothing but the highest respect for the j-town crew sean thor doc mark steve i mean the entire Delwood crew and everybody. You every can't time I've been Sheila. up here. What'd you say, buddy? I said you can't forget about Sheila. You know she'll. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah. you can't can't forget about the little squirrel guy, Fancher. Oh, oh the, gr- the groundhog. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's favorite little vermin, JJ. You're right, exactly. Uh, that I actually have never heard that story before, and that was pretty cool to hear about. Um, and the fact that it was Barsby that you got to play with, that's incredible because um, I'm not going to lie, um, I kind of watching like professional disc golf. Like I, I, got, I went to my first tournament, spectated it in 2016 back when it was uh, GBO. Now it's the DDO. I went and watched yeah. And that's when I started like knowing about Eagle and uh, Ricky because Ricky was on Latitude at the time and Paul was still with Innova. And that was the actually that was the tournament that uh, Cam Todd for anybody who doesn't know Cam Todd is is a well known well now he's a pretty much a well known uh, artist but he was also a phenomenal oh, he was a well known artist before he was a well known golf disc golfer I feel like thank you correct me, me correct me on that yep as great as I'm sorry I just. Is force a habit just because I was an appreciator of all art of all mm-hmm. types before I was a disc golfer. Right. And I've actually, I've had some pretty deep conversations with Cam just explaining how amazing his art is. It's just kind of fangirling to him a little bit, but yeah. he takes it humbly and appreciates it. Oh, yeah. And I believe that year, because he ended up taking the, the win that year, um, was off the disc golf scene for like a, probably like a good decade before, or I, I want to say close to before he came back, right? Uh, yeah, if I remember correctly, he had taken a pretty big hiatus, kind of like how Stokely had before he come back, that well, decided to come back this year. Yeah. I can't, I'm not sure what exactly was the root of it or if it was just kind of wanted to take a mental break, but I've heard of multiple people that kind of decide to take a little hiatus just because they're not feeling as passionate about it as they once were. Personally, right. I haven't experienced that, so I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but <laughs> better, right. hey, their own, I understand how it goes. I was the same way with MMA whenever I did that for a brief period. Right. I say brief period, but it was a few years. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, uh, it was just like my buddy Chris Luzzo. He's been on the PDGA since uh, 2007, and he was very competitive. Uh, uh, COVID season, he was actually the one that won uh, MA3 uh, at the FAM in 2020. Remember, he went to, he ended up taking 
guy. Yep, I totally remember that. Yeah, and uh, so he um, – last year we ended up going up to iOS, well, whatever number it was at the time. Uh, it was for the, at uh, Eureka Permanent Course, and he signed okay. – because they did one – they did a section of divisions one day and a section on the other day, and he was like, like at 890, so he was like wanting to test himself a little bit in intermediate. So he decided to go, I'm going to sign up for the intermediate day, play the temp course that – kills you on at ledgestone and then he went and played oh, that and he tried to do the permanent course the next day and he got back to the hotel the saturday the day he played the temp course and i was just like how are we feeling he's like i honestly don't even think i have my arms still attached to my body right now i'm like rip that bad huh? he's like dude he's like i think the shortest hole was like for me it felt like 400 feet <laughs> it was so long and so like aggressive and it just made me like really test my ability and it I think it just kind of, after since he hurt his shoulder that bad that day, I think it just kind of burned him out a little bit. He's going to be uh, 40. Yeah, he's going to be 40 this year. So he's like, man, everything's going so weird with, like, you know, my uh, personal stuff and everything, which we've all been there, obviously. Um, so he's just like, I'm just not – I don't even know if I'm going to be playing any events this year. But um, he, as of right now, his PDGA is even expired. But I'm still trying to get him the – He's just said he's not. He said his passion's not gone, but he's just like his. I guess the the fire to like still want to compete is uh, burn out a little bit. Which I understand that he's like he might take this year off and just see where he is at after that. But because he's kind of starting to get in that, <laughs> I always like to give him a hard time being like, "Oh, you're probably getting to that midlife crisis, man." When you're like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna be playing MA40 this year and messing with him like that." Because <laughs> I I always gotta mess people like that and he's like oh yeah that's probably what it is and he said i might be 40 years old but i still i'm still gonna kick your ass and then we went out and played that flex start today it was his first time ever out in like a couple weeks and he shot a five under i shot a three under and he's like who's talking who's who's better now you fuck i'm like you son of a bitch okay all right this is what we're playing okay i got you but yeah as, <laughs> last i checked he ended up being tied for first for the flex start today so i'm still hoping to god he ended up finished uh taking it down so Hey, yeah. For him, though, man. Man, yeah, as long doing. as you can still get him to come out, that's, I mean, even if it is for casual rounds, I mean, I have buddies around here that don't even really compete. They're just more of casual players. They don't even sign up for the local events here. Yeah. But, I mean, and he it even is say what it is. Yeah, and he was even saying, he's like, I'm a little short on funds. So he's like, I don't even know if I want to come out to play that, you know, that flex start. I don't even know if I want to pay for it. And then he comes out and pays for it because now like his, you know, his membership's expired. He had to pay that extra ten dollars, which to me, I like. I understand it because you don't have a PDGA membership. That like extra ten dollars going to like. I obviously you ran the fan. You've ran the fan for the last couple of years. Um, uh, for people that sign up and don't have a PDGA membership, uh, and have that extra ten dollars. Where does do you even know where that ten dollars goes? It doesn't even go to anything. Honestly, I'm not sure if. Like the PDJ does anything special with that or not? I know okay. whenever I wind up, like if I were to go set up an event right now, I'd have to pay a sanctioning fee and then they tack on an extra little cost if you do the PDJ's ins well, event insurance thing. Mm -hmm. but I'm not entirely sure what that extra $10 would go, well, goes to or anything. Yeah, because he was asking Sean today, and Sean was even saying, he's like, I'm not even 100% sure where that goes. But he ended up paying 15 instead of 5 and then he's like, eh, I got a 20 on me. I said, screw it. 
the ace pot too and then we were like through the first three holes and i think we all started like par 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 and he was like man i probably shouldn't have paid for this because i'm just feeling like i'm gonna end up bogeying at some point and ended up shooting a five under and i i said well i mean he sean told you you could still play because he didn't you know he didn't shut the course down for casual players i'm like you still could have walked with us and played with us you just weren't gonna have it you know have it counted against you so but and then he said after i paid for it and he said the way i played i was kind of happy and then he was like, man, I'm starting to get that itch back, man. You want to go to Highland? And I'm like, oh, we can try. And then I said, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't play that well there. And then we go out there. For the first, like, six holes, I think I was one, o- one over. So I was feeling a little okay because usually I'm at that point, like, four or five. And then I ended up going, like, double bogey on the next three holes and then part the next four. And then I took a triple and then another bogey. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so. If I remember correctly. Heck, Rooney might remember. I'm not sure. He's just as much as burnout. Well, just as much of a burnout as I am. Mm. But I want to say Highland was when we played Highland for states. That was whenever I met Rooney, and yeah, it unleashed on us torrential downpour, like <sighs> late June. It was hot is yeah. hot and muggy the entire day two days before and then the entire day of besides the lack of grip, we were kind of thankful for the rain as good as it felt. But we yeah. were all soaked by the end of it and just miserable. Was it like uh was it like when we played the fam last year and that and that downpour? I think it was worse. Okay. I think it was yeah. Worse. Yeah, because I was sitting pretty good for the first round uh, last year at the fam, and then freaking uh, that rain came, and then I just fell apart, and then I think I took six out of six people in wreck, and then I was like, man, I'm kind of curious. Maybe I should have checked novice to see what the score was there, and go figure. I if I would have played novice because I was still at that rating, if I would have played it, I would have won by a stroke. Because I'm like, of course, go figure. That's just my luck. And then, but, and then the next two events I played, I ended up taking down. So I couldn't have been mad at myself. But, you know, like, as oh, my buddies like to mess with, each, mess with each other all the time. And uh, Gavin's even said it to me before. He's like, well, if you know, if you played novice at Damon's tournament, you probably would have had three career wins on the And I'm like, yeah, maybe if I, maybe, <laughs> maybe I would have had that, you know? So I'm like, why do you keep throwing that in my face? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's just Gav being a good big brother figure, kind of. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's he's definitely- like he's younger than me by a good portion, but I mean, I I look up to him both physically and the fact that I mean he's a significantly more consistent and better player than I am. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, probably obviously better than anybody in Illinois right now. I believe he's the highest rated player in Illinois right now, isn't he? I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I'll tell I, you that, say, I said, well, Thomas, say either or go ahead. Sorry. I'd say it's probably either him or Luke. Yeah. Cause, Cause I uh, think Luke Sampson's up there in the 10, well, 10 thirties or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Cause Luke Sampson and Alex Russell are the two that uh, Ian's uh, touring right now. Um, and that him, having him on a couple weeks ago, that was a lot of fun. Um, and the fact that he said it was his very first ever uh, podcast kind of blew my mind because it's like, 
think you're a little well known, you know. Like I feel like you should have at least been on like one or two. Like doesn't Castaplast have a you know podcast or anything? He's like, nope, you're my very first one. And I was like, oh my god, like I feel like truly honored and stuff. And then when I did Gavin's like back in November, he was saying that uh, it was his first uh, tournament, our first tournament. Sorry podcast since he uh was going to make the change from uh Discmania to dynamic disc but he was actually he actually told me that he made the switch before the announcement even came out so i couldn't say anything to anybody and until like dynamic disc released it um so that's why i had it in my thing i was like oh we're because you know, uh hunter thomas put a thing on twitter saying like oh our rumor is Di- gavin signing with dynamic disc but nobody knew that and even gavin said i don't know how he found that out and so like when he finally told me that right before we went on for our uh that episode he was saying yeah let's not talk about it because i'm actually supposed to meet with uh the eric mccabe tomorrow and talk our over the phone and talk to him well we'll not put that in there and then he makes the announcement the day after we did my episode so i told him i said maybe i should have waited till friday and then we could have just done it then and i could have had you on for <laughs> i could have had you on and we could have talked about it then but you know the fact it is what it is uh, he said he would definitely come back on in the future so i'm not all that worried about it but um as again we're continuing to ramble on here uh yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> now we're good speaking of the fam as we've been talking about it for a little bit um I- or heard anything about it for this year because obviously i know you're going to be running it um is is the fam going to be a tournament again this year well the thing is i haven't really done a whole lot of planning tournament wise or even event wise for my schedule at all this year uh i've kind of been trying to think of something different i could do i'm always trying to think of something different player pack wise that I could put in there to attract more people. But I've been kind of leaning more towards like a singles or fundraiser, well, like a singles or doubles fundraiser style again this year. Okay. Just that. Well, so that way I'm not coming as out of pocket since I now have car payment and well, between my car payment insurance and car protection plan, I'm spending about, $700 $700 a month. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, exactly. I don't exactly have the extra funds to sign up for events and fund an entire event. We'll save up to fund an entire event. So, I'm thinking of doing probably a low-cost uh, singles or doubles event. And then what I'm kind of hoping to do in the future, I have to do a lot more thinking on it and kind of weighing my options and everything, but I want to try and do more of a like traveling flex start series, kind of similar well, with a point system similar to that of the greater Joliet tour series. Okay. That way I can, since I like to travel so much on the weekends, whether it's to play a tournament or to play a new course or a course that I've played before that I love so much, I could say, possibly team up with the Delwood crew and do a flex start at the canyons or team up with Thor and do a flex start at Trinity or do a flex start at Northwoods or Megiddo or somewhere in Peoria or more Southern Illinois that way. And then for those that are actually willing to make the journey to all of those events or multiple events to accrue X amount of points, 
there'd be a decent payoff and you wouldn't have to be present for that. So, I mean, say in a couple of years, if, if I get it consistent and big enough with a solid following, it could be like, all right, first place in MPO would obviously get like an extra little cash cash bonus. And then like, instead of just doing, say like, funny money to one specific retail store, it would be, all right, if you were to win like $500 for first place in points for MA1 or something, it would be, all right, I'd look and see where your location is, and I'd reach out, ask you, hey, what store do you usually go to the most often? Where do you usually get your discs? And then I would either send you the money via a uh, pay form, like PayPal or GPay or something of that nature, mm-hmm. if you weren't fine with it being for just one specific retailer. But then... If that's not the case, it would go to your retailer of choice. So it wouldn't even have to be disc golf. It could, if you like bass fishing or something, it could go to a Bass Pro Shop or a Shields or a Cabela's or something. Well, that'd be dope. Because my I buddy feel like that would probably bring people, will bring a little bit of initiative. Right. Yeah. Because that but would be I actually mean, interesting because, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off real quick. Um, no, you're good. It's just because uh, my buddy Grant that I played with today, he um, also does uh, uh, fishing tournaments too. So, like, if you were that fact that you said that would be pretty cool because he would probably use that for like that too because he does hunting and too. So, yeah. that's pretty cool. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut so you off. I started like, to get into fishing a little bit in the last, well, a little bit again in the last couple of years. And I've, I forgot how expensive tackle is. So, yeah, I mean, God. that would definitely help with some people. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't fish a lot myself, but uh, I got uncles that do, and they always tell me, like, oh, I spent, like, this much on this lure, or I spent this much on this bait, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know how you guys spend, like, 60, 70 bucks on worms. Like, I just, like, it's like that. <laughs> but um, it's kind of glad. I'm kind of relieved uh, a little bit that you were actually telling me your plans for uh, this year, because that actually killed two questions that I had for you. So, definitely. Uh, if anybody doesn't know what the fam is, um, obviously because you ran it the last two years, and if it if it's not going to be a thing there, it's going to be a more charity. If it is going to be a more charitable event, and if people have never heard of the fam or know what it is, um, could you want to give a uh, uh, kind of, I guess, description of it? Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, uh, the fam is an event that I created in see twenty eighteen. I'll I'll always remember it was 2018 because 2019 is the year that I decided for whatever reason I was ready to jump up past it well past advance to MPO Mm -hmm. and we'll revisit that some uh, well a little later or so but the fam was an event I created after finding out that I lost one of my friends that got me into disc golf he was actually one of the stronger polling forces to get me to come out and give it a try. Mm-hmm. What had happened with that was I had, I was at Ledgestone getting ready for round one or round two. It was one, round one. 
I was getting ready at the hotel, went outside to smoke a cigarette and got a call from one of the guys in the club via Facebook Messenger, which threw me off. Figured he was just trying to get me out for a round, didn't realize it was Ledgetown weekend. Mm-hmm. And he winds up breaking the news to me that my buddy Cody Drew had wound up getting stabbed the night before oh. and had died. Oh, my God. Of course, finding this out right before an event, I had multiple options, but I decided to just try and power through it and let my raw emotion fuel me, which didn't help, did not help, absolutely didn't help a single bit, Mm -hmm. but I had a lot of friends and a lot of friends from out of state, even because it was Ledgestone that were there and they extended their hands and reached out, bought me a drink or gave me a hug, told me everything was going to be all right. And the reason why I went with the name, the fam is because it was something that Cody always said. He's always said, what's up fam. Hey fam, no matter who you were, if he knew you for 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 out, well, 10 years, didn't matter. But I went with, the fam after hearing of the tournament over in Indiana called the homie, which I heard of whenever I'd first started out and knew that it was a tournament to memorialize one of the guys in the disc golf scene over there. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a inspiration to do that, which I feel kind of bad because the event was motivation for the name, but yet I still have to go play it. Maybe yeah. I'll change that this year and finally make it over there since I have my own vehicle and don't have to depend on having somebody else that's going. Right. right. But, I mean, it was just something that I felt like, even though I wanted to give back to him in a way or memorialize him, and me not being a wealthy person, it was the least I could do with what powers I had obtained through a sport he helped introduce me to. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, oh, man, I, I've heard, I've heard you tell me that story because, you know, just between you and I before, but even still hearing it, like you describe it and stuff and telling all the viewers out there, it still like gets me, my heart still goes out to you, man. And the fact that you were still able to um, at least try and push through, even though you didn't, you know, obviously, play up probably up to the potential you wanted to uh the fact that you were still saying i i want to still do this is takes a lot man because especially for someone being that close to you and losing them um if it were me i don't even know what i do i honestly i probably would have just said yep i'm not doing this i'm out i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to my family i'm gonna go to them i gotta go you know i just i just i don't know but i can a lot of people don't there's other I guess, ways people handle their situations, either whether via playing or having to be there, you know, with, you know, the family and stuff. My heart goes out to you, man. I'm really sorry to hear about that. And um, real quick, um, when we, uh, because I played the fam the last two years, um, the older woman that was taking uh, pictures and videos, is that Cody's mom? Yes. uh, That's Mama Rhonda, as I call her, Mama D, because her, uh, new marriage name is Dillo, but yeah. I mean, it still works through and, but the biggest love for her. I mean, she thinks of me as her own little angel apparently. And every time I'm around, 
she swears she's going to adopt me because I remind her so much of Cody, which it warms my heart, chokes me up and breaks my heart at the same time because <laughs> it's like, mom, I love you, but I, those are shoes. I just can't fill. That was one special, unique individual that I don't know if I'll ever encounter somebody as crazy and free spirited as he was. Yeah. While it is painful at the same time, because of seeing what I, well, what, help with the healing process I've given his family and our friends within the disc golf league and knowing that, well, I won't say knowing, but feeling like I'm doing what he would want me to do if he were still here Mm -hmm. would make him proud. That's one of the things that keeps me pushing on with the event and really as passionate as I still am from day one about the sport. That's awesome. That's really awesome to hear. Um, yeah. And um, it was weird to me because um, two years ago, and I, like I said, uh, the fan was actually my very first ever tournament on the PDGA. And uh, obviously my first ever back going in and shooting both rounds, nine over both rounds and finishing 18 over. wasn't really, you know, up, uh, happy with the way I played, but, and, being able to look at the scores and saying, well, not everybody shot that well either, you know, novice. And and then that's when I first started, uh, Alex Ator kind of told me, he's like, man, you're playing novice, dude. Like I'm telling you right now, if you get anything between uh, even and like probably eight or nine over, you're probably sitting in first place at some events. You you just don't know. But um, I just remember after the event um, talking to Cody's mom for a little bit saying like, Oh, this was my very first ever tournament. It was an honor to be here. You know, Damon's a really good guy. He runs a good, you know, he ran the event really well. And she like, you know, started getting all emotional, which I was not going <laughs> to obviously I understand, you know, and then oh, that was absolutely. the time I ever talked to this woman. And then fast forward to the following year, I'm cause I, we obviously did a shotgun start. I think I started on like whole, nine or 10. So I was on like hole one. So I was like, at, obviously already in the back nine, but uh, I just remember her walking past me and she like did a, weren't you the, weren't you the kid I talked to um, a little bit about last year, you were saying that how you love the event and all this and that. And, and it was a true honor. It was your first event and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't really think you were going to remember that. It's so awesome. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Cody. Nice to meet you. And, you know, and then we started talking about that again. And she said, yeah, Damon runs a really good event here said yeah i said it's definitely one of my favorites and i said it's a little two-hour drive for me uh, going uh because i live up north in morris but you know i said for damon it's the drive's totally worth it and the fact that the guy showed me nothing but love and respect every time i've been around him um i'm happy to come out even if it takes me two hours so i'm always happy to come out the way i can i do greatly appreciated that and seriously like the amount of love that i've received from people just from hosting the event is it's been immeasurable. Like I can't really put words to describe it, but just seeing the smiles from everybody at the end of the event is like everybody thinks that, Oh, these high price tournaments are to pad tournament directors pockets and whatnot at times. And it's like, No, like the way I set up my events is I take the player pack cost and I double that because usually it's 
right there on the mark with it'll cover the PDGA sanctioning fees, well, a small portion of the fees for the sanctioning and mm-hmm. good in, well, low cost for entry into a tournament. And I always try to make the players' packs above and beyond or have something in there that's useful. And, I mean, the first year I went with Star Destroyers because it was Cody's favorite disc. It was his go-to disc, and it was actually the first disc I ever picked up and was like, I feel like this is a really good disc. And lo and behold, it was. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah. My love and passion with Disc Mania and having a good partnership with Dana and Avery, Colton, and some of the other guys on the team, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to go ahead and partner with Disc Mania more for more of the foreseeing years. Are you officially sponsored by them then, or are you just uh, just kind of just... I'm just a big fanboy, basically. I mean, I've kind of fallen off here in the last year or so on knowledge, but, I mean, for the most part, I can answer almost any question there is about Discmania molds or flight paths or this or that. So much so that the last Ledgestone that I went to was 2020. And... I'm standing there at Nate Perkins van talking to Paige Pierce, buying a buzz off of her. And mind you, this is still COVID time. So they're wanting face masks and everything inside the uh, fly mart. So right. I got my face mask on disc mania, polo disc mania hat and just glasses on. And I'm answering questions because she can't answer Discmania questions and I get mistaken for Colton Montgomery. <laughs> and then it proceeds to happen multiple times throughout that weekend, which is just completely hilarious. Cause like I said, Colton's one of my buddies. So I couldn't help but to text him. I was like, dude, I just got mistaken as you not once, but multiple times within a matter of moments. I mean, if you have the glasses on, I can totally picture it, too, because you got the long hair, you got the little, you know, mustache, and you got the goatee uh, thing going on. I know Colton's got mostly just the mustache, but, uh, yeah, dude, I, I'm not going to lie. If I didn't know if I didn't know who you were and you walked up to me and all that and had that, I'd probably be like, hey, Colton, can I get an autograph real quick? And I'm not going to lie. It if doesn't I was you, I'd help. We're about the same build, too. <laughs> what were you saying? I'm sorry. Matt, I've, I've been told – by Avery, it's not as over exaggerated of a like reach down more so than a reach back, but mm-hmm. I do share similar well similarities in form to Colton's, which makes it all the more funny. It's like, <laughs> well, then what the heck is he doing so much different than I am that he's getting a lone howl to go 555 feet to park a basket in Waco for an eagle to? on his march to the wind. But yeah, I throw one, and it only goes 340. (laughs) I I kind of tapped into my Greg Barsby came Climo impression there for a second. (laughs) You're good. That was pretty good, actually. I'm not going to lie. But uh, no, back to what I was saying. 
Arsby is like when I was because I was kind of I kind of just fell off of talking about him a little bit. Um, I was saying like because I was kind of a skeptic at him because like when I first started like watching more um, like you know post production before the Disc Golf Network became a thing, I've always seen like Arsby like have an attitude sometimes like if somebody's like set and just because. But like, and I always came, took that as like, oh, he's coming off as a dick or he's coming off as an ant or, you know, just something like that. But then as I've like watched a lot more of him last year and then more this year, I think that, you know, Greg Barsby reminds me a lot of kind of like my dad. He's super funny, but be strict when he needs to be. And I feel, and oh, to be absolutely. honest, Greg Barsby is also one of those players that can be super cool to play with, but he will play it by the book. So like, do something that he knows is not allowed he will say something and and that's why i think there's a certain people you know that don't necessarily are the biggest fans of him but honestly we need more players like that because if we don't have people if we didn't have you know people like barsby making you know calling out you know little things here like foot faults and whatnot then somebody needs be like hey nico's taking 45 50 seconds on his putts hey nico took a minute and a half you know and like and i finally i was glad that i saw drew gibson finally about it on Twitter. I was like, I'm fine. And I didn't, I just retweeted it and like put a caption saying, I'm finally, someone's finally said it. Or I'm glad someone I mean, finally said it. There's definitely gray areas in the rules. Like, I'm still pretty darn confused and whatnot about the whole Mando thing now that they're implementing. It's just weird. Yeah, but. yeah. I told my buddy Chris, I'm like, you know, did you hear about this new Mando like rule thing? And he like looks at me and he's like, that's not new. It's been a thing for a while. They just finally just. Make it like known that it's a thing. So, hmm. but yeah, I didn't. We were talking about like, oh, you get, you know, if you're like up against, like if you're inbound, but you're like on the line, you can, you can take a meter relief off that. That's the new rule. He's like, oh, that's been a rule for like 10 years. I'm like, all right, man, I need to go back and like see what the new rules actually are, what were, would have always been ruled because I'm getting too confused with this crap. But, um, you were saying. The one that people are getting confused, I think, that got recently added is the relief from OB or re- or the relief from your disc or your lie after going OB. Because what it, I think what the misconception people are getting is, all right, I can, well, the rule is you can take relief as far back as you would like from your lie, as long as it is on the line, well, line of play. What people were misconstruing with that is you can do that with any of your lies if you have an obstruction in front of you. But what they're meaning is only if you were to travel out of bounds completely, can you do so. Otherwise, if you were just barely in bounds, but on that line, then you would be getting your meter relief. Okay. That I think that's one of the things that people are really misconstruing, which myself, I even had confused <laughs> and somebody explained it to me more thoroughly. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that totally makes more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only if you were to go B that you could do that. Okay. Then that you can go as far back if, well, as you want. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I, yeah, that definitely makes sense now. Um, well, we are actually starting to run out of time. I got about another 10 minutes before I lose, before I run out of time and lose the feed. Yeah. Uh, 
just real quick as we got we're kind of running out of time here uh with you but uh just real quick uh you were saying earlier as we were going to talk into it a little bit later in the uh uh, interview um you said that you made the uh decision the hard decision to jump back uh to step back from mpo and go back to ma1 um if if you want to talk about it and and give us a reason why you did you can if you if it's something you don't really want to talk about that's under you know that's fine too but you know i wouldn't be me if i didn't ask the question oh no not a problem i'm like i've said before i'm an open book okay but i've kind of been thinking about it trying to put it into words and the main thing is whenever I lost my buddy Cody, it kind of threw me into a men- mental crunch little time crunch that I felt I was under that. All right. I'm not getting any younger. I'm getting close to 30. I'm doing decent in disc golf. I'm only going to get better. Right. If I play with better players, I'm only going to get better. Well, I was able to play with some of my buddies that were in MPO, and I could hang with them on a good day. And I figured, all right, well, I could go ahead and maybe get my toes a little wet. Well, I was talking to my buddy Garrett Hobbs from up north, and he wound up telling me he was playing MPO for Ledgestone the next year. And I was like, oh, dude, you're nuts after – thinking about the water carry holes well he's like dude take a look at the player's guide and then tell me what you think took a look at the player's guide and it was just over 300 to clear the water on hole one and hole 13 which were the main ones i was really concerned about on water carry Mm -hmm. and was like oh i I got that all day so (laughs) i went on ahead and signed up for mpo and then that was the only one I signed up for. And then I was like, I'll try a couple of localized events and MPO. And then before I knew it, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to make the whole jump. And then after the last three years, well, three seasons of playing MPO, I've realized there's more shots and time that I need to invest to obtain that more consistent level of play. Like Gavin has told me it multiple times, Debo, Finwall, I've been told by multiple players that are respected in the Illinois pro scene, dude, you're good. You have a killer forehand. You have a solid backhand. You have a great range putt and all this. But it's a matter of harnessing it all and putting it into a consistency level along with a good mental game. And because whenever I lost Cody, like I said, I kind of went into a mental crunch for time. And I was honestly kind of using my disc golf as a release more so than I ever had been because I had slipped into a depression that I kind of pushed off and didn't really make known to everybody. But I mean, to everybody that was around me, they could kind of tell just due to the fact that it'd be a simple, small little thing. And then I'd mention Cody like, Oh yeah, I, I remember story from Cody. And it's like, Oh, and it, I mean, they'd go along with it and they'd enjoy the memory as well. But at the same time, it's like, I was just kind of using it as a coping mechanism in a sense, pushing myself harder than I needed to 
especially since I was wanting to become part of Team Discmania, which I still do. Mm-hmm. And mark my words, will eventually happen. But <laughs> since then, I had been to three combine, well, Discmania combines, and each year I've kind of watched my skill level and care about my performance really kind of slip and decline and I'm not happy and comfortable with that. So I'm, I knew what I had to do. I knew that I should have really been playing intermediate or advanced. And so I decided this year I'm going to go ahead and make the step back and go about this the right way and work my way up. Cause after all, while I do have 57 events on my career, mm-hmm. I've only won one, come damn close on a few of them, but I've obviously been missing something to where I haven't been able to pull it out in the end. Yeah, it just sounds I feel uh... like this step back will really reconnect me with my game and reobtain that. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's and to be honest, I'm, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And as much as people, obviously, when players make the jump to MPO, and obviously their first mindset is, oh, they, they do want to cash out and be officially considered a pro. Um, I honestly think, if, especially now that you, you made that decision to jump down or just take a step back, which, again, is totally understandable, um, the fact that you didn't uh, cash out is kind of a blessing, I guess, a little bit in disguise, just so you were able to come back down and make MPO. I need to refocus my mind mentally. I need to refocus my body physically and I need to figure out what I'm, you know, what I need to work on and what I need to improve on. So I, I I'm absolutely happy that I'm to be, I'm sure there's going to be people that are like, Oh man, I feel like you should be up in MPO. And I truly believe that you do deserve to be up in MPO too, but I'm also that friend that's like, you know, this is probably going to be a good thing for him because if I were to make the jump to MA2 at like 861 rated, like I am now and started playing, you know, absolute ass, I would be like, okay, maybe I'm not ready to be an intermediate yet, you know, or, or if I was a novice and trying to make the jump up to rec and same thing with that, you know, but it finally took me winning two events on the PDGA to finally being like, okay, I finally got over that hump to make it to MA3. And do I have, does it have to take me two events to win? To, to, does it have to take me two events to make it up to MA2? I'm hoping I can just, you know, get a solid finish in every tournament, you know, obviously win a couple here and there. But as long as I can keep moving that rating up, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Absolutely. I mean, so. one of the ways that I look at it, and I mean, I'm sure somebody in the disc golf world and history has uttered something of the same words, but I mean, if my skill level was measured by my passion and love for disc golf, of course I'd be a thousand rated or higher. Right. And again, so would myself and over a hundred thousand other people. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That, that, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that uh, we've already hit over the 200,000 mark, like they were saying, they made that announcement on PDGA memberships, like, well, like four or five months ago. Now it's probably even longer than that. And than that, to be honest. It definitely blows and, my mind to hear that. And now like, the fact that, Three or four months later, they're already saying we're almost getting close to two hundred fifty thousand. This shows the 
that the sport is truly growing. And as much as I love seeing the sport grow at the same time, like part of me just hates it just a little bit. The reason is it just because it gives you less opportunity to sign up for the tournaments you want to play. But so, exactly. far, so, so far, all the tournaments I've signed up this year, I've been able to get in easy. So no issues there, but well, Damon, it's been a pleasure to have you on man tonight. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and, giving us a little bit, telling us all your stories and stuff. It was, it was pretty cool to hear all that stuff. Uh, definitely uh, was definitely a lot longer of an interview than I, uh, and, but you know what, man, we were able to get all that stuff in. And the fact that we were actually able to have a genuine, like real interview, like a, like a real professional podcast. <laughs> so I was really, I'm really happy that you came on. Uh, one last thing real quick before I let you go. Um, is there any shout outs you want to give out real quick? Or if anybody wants to follow you on any uh, social media, throughout your uh, like Twitter handle or your, if you got Instagram or something like that. Um, my Instagram, if you care to give me a follow, I haven't really been active in a while, but I kind of plan on making that change as well. This year would be mm-hmm. disc maniac. Well, at disc maniac nine, four, zero, one, four. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely add I would say, I mean, shout out to you, of course, for doing your thing and having me on. Then (laughs) shout out to Plastic Addicts for giving me my first and only sponsorship that I've had in disc golf. Shout out to Sean and Sheila Callahan of the Delwood crew, Fancher, of course, all the disc golf homies. And I mean, whether I'm still well, whether I'm playing an MPO or not, shout out to Dana and all my MPO homies that have been great mentors for me along the journey. Awesome. Uh, well, especially Avery Jenkins. And last but not least, RIP Dylan Joe Richter, one of the OG Disc Maniacs. Awesome. Well, Damon, like again, man, it was really awesome to have you on, man. We will definitely have to do this again sometime in the future. And like I told Ian when I had him on a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm not going to say if, I'm going to say when you win an event this year, because I believe that you're going to get one this year. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back on, and I'm definitely going to have to talk to you about that. So, and also um, definitely going to have to keep me updated on that, uh, on those um, flex uh, stuff. If you got it planned on this year. Um, but other than that, guys, um, tell someone you love them this week because, you know, not every day is guaranteed. Um, as I thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, again, like I said, you're going to have to come on again. And this was a lot of fun. This was definitely one of my favorite podcast episodes I've done so far. So thank you again, man. I really appreciate you. Not a problem. It was definitely a fun experience for my first podcast. And I look forward to future episodes that you have me on for awesome man. maybe one of these times while i'm up there in the joliet area or whatever we can do a video one for your youtube channel or something oh absolutely because uh when i had ian on he said when he plays clash uh he might have me uh caddy for him for one of the rounds so i hope i hope to see you out there man that'd be awesome oh absolutely i'm gonna try and make it up there for clash and if I'm feeling crazy enough and have the extra funds, I might just try and do both weekends of Clash at the Canyons just because I love that place so much. Yeah, it's definitely a good course. And I, they still have that layout on U-Disc, so it's a, I've been playing it a couple times. And as much as it kicked my ass a couple 
is also still fun so but other than that guys like i said earlier tell someone you love them this week this is not every day is guaranteed for damon morstatter i am cody Enervold, pdga 148739 and i will see you guys on the next one peace